Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here is your host, Barron's Hall of Fame advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Thanks for joining another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. It's your host, John Cutton, back with my good J-O-N friend, Mr. John Randall, uh, for a third part to our three-part series, so our final part. uh, And the title of today's series is Creating Advisor Capacity Part 3, Should We Take the Leap to form an ensemble practice. Uh, so with that, Johnny, maybe you could say hello to the audience. Hey, it's great to be on again. This is such an important series. And, and I think about this leap, as, as you mentioned, in going from a solo practitioner to more of an ensemble practice. It's almost like standing on the edge of a cliff and I'm about to jump off. It's pretty scary. You know, some are able to do it, a lot don't, and stay up on the edge of the cliff. So uh, it's great to dive into the particulars of this, of what to expect, and help people that are considering making this leap make it a little bit easier for them. Yeah, no, well said, John. I think uh, I think I, I want to make sure what we do today for our listeners is help people kind of go through the decision process, mm-hmm. because taking the leap isn't for everybody. Yes. Um, right? Yes. So is it right? for you? Is it not right for you? What are you signing up for? And it's just really interesting, John, you know, uh, John and I were just kind of catching up before we hit the record button here. Uh, And just, you know, by coincidence, everything um, I've been reading, I actually listened to a a podcast uh, this morning, in fact, before this, we already had our agenda set for today. Um, And uh, another coach in the industry was being interviewed on a different podcast. uh, And it was actually about um, this kind of new world of the new billion dollar firm is becoming a $5 billion firm. Uh, and that's what you're hearing with some of the top practices. And really, um, coaching is starting to shift in the industry. There's uh, this kind of new found um, kind of business process or vision would probably be a better word of advisors wanting to build a true enterprise or ensemble practice, whatever you want to call it. I like the word, I think enterprise, uh, a little bit better to be honest. And, um, it's just interesting. It seems like there's a whole bunch of conversation, uh, around that. And just to bring everybody back, um, you know, the first two sessions that we went through here were, uh, really around building advisor capacity. Uh, and then, you know, as you add advisors, how to build capacity through junior advisors or additional advisors on your team. We touched a little bit on the diamond model. We touched a little bit on advisor compensation. And then I think the, the logical last part to the series is where we are today, which is, you know, what are you signing up for? Um, and I'll kind of throw you a softball here, John. So we go from, um, you know, solo practitioner, salesperson for most of us when we started in the business we build a thriving business uh maybe we add an advisor uh underneath us and then we start to think about man do i want to kind of you know hit the 
uh, go button and replicate that over and over and over again. So, you know, I'll throw you that softball as you kind of think about an enterprise or ensemble practice, maybe you could just share with the audience what you believe that means um, to advisors that you've had the opportunity to coach and kind of get inside of their businesses. Yeah, there's really a crossroads in the industry. If, if you're going to grow and take this to the next level, there's, there's really two paths and you're going to hit a ceiling probably uh, with your current path and what you're currently doing. So it either is this more boutique model where it's work with less higher end clients, do more for them, generate more revenue and really have like a small plane with a lot of first class seats and it's very exclusive. You can grow in that kind of model. It's a profitable model. It's, it's harder to scale. You know, it's harder to grow as, as quickly in that model or it's more of this ensemble enterprise path where it's okay, let's duplicate the other advisors helping clients and a second advisor helping clients, multiple advisors helping clients, you can really scale that as a different level. Um, it's you know, different profit margin levels. And, and there's some points that, that advisors certainly feel like they're standing on a cliff. Should I make an investment in somebody? It's, it's a really scary thing. And we'll, we'll dive more into those particulars as we go here. But really the, the, on, the ensemble, the enterprise, kind of look here, it really is about leveraging others in scale. As we've talked about here, it, it takes away the individual capacity conundrum that you have as an individual, as an owner, and it spreads that out over others. And it's a different game. It's really a capacity management game. And then there's other things like, you know, leadership and how do you build an organization? It's a totally different skill, as you said, John, to just being a salesperson, being, being an individual advisor. The advisor skills you learn, those would be passed on to others. But really, it's becoming an entrepreneur, in, in my opinion, more so than a, a CEO and really leading where it's going. It's really understanding how to scale a business like a McDonald's. Um, like you'd see other, you know, really sprawling businesses have done. They figured out some, you know, processes and things and leadership structures that they can deliver quality on scale. That's the game that, that you're approaching. If you want to really build like John Cunt, you really want to build this enterprise. You've got to uh, think about some other industries that have done this are helpful examples to see, okay, it's possible. I can do this one restaurant at a time and replicate it across the country. But um, it's different thinking as you get into it is really the key to me is it's not being that individual advisor. It's thinking about this as running a large business. That's really the key. If you're going to go down that path and break through the capacity barriers, the you know, limitations on what each advisor can produce. This is, this is, it, it really is, you see, this is the trend. This is where most large practices are going, this more of this, this enterprise model, but it, it is a different game as we'll get into here. Yeah. So um, you brought up a bunch of good points, John. I heard uh, four pieces that I think I wanted to kind of drill down on a little bit, right? So I'll kind of say them and then maybe we'll hit them. We'll come up with the right order to hit them. So one, you talked about profit margin, different profit margin is what you said in a, a, a enterprise slash ensemble practice versus more of a solo practitioner or a boutique type of practice. So it's profit margin. Uh, you talked about leadership more than once, right? And I, I just want to emphasize that one. 
you know, in my own financial planning practice, our vision is a simple one. Cut and Wealth Management is not only a Barron's Hall of Fame practice, but we're known industry-wide as a supercharged leadership development factory. We develop level five leaders. Now, here's what's interesting. Um, we created that years ago, several years ago, probably three or four years ago. And what's interesting is as I, as I listen and read and hear and observe, um, there is more and more and more of an emphasis on leaders developing leaders that Gen 1, Gen 2, Gen 3 uh, type piece. So I want to spend some time on leadership, use the word entrepreneurship uh, as well. And then you talked a lot about scale, right? So um, what, what I want to kind of just hit, John, big picture from your perspective, what what is it that the advisor who is taking that leap as you say on the cliff and jumps right what is it that they're signing up for because what i want to share is you know you you kind of say everybody wants to be like john like the old everybody wants to be like mike uh commercial <laughs> and i don't know that anybody wants to be like me for sure um but but the, but you know i see people signing up to do this sometimes that don't necessarily have the skill set to execute. And it sounds great and easy, but let me tell you, it's really hard work. More importantly, I don't know that it's harder work necessarily than building a practice from scratch. They're both really hard, but it's much different work. And I would Absolutely. love to just get your get your thoughts on that. What is what is that work and who should do this and who shouldn't? And what what kind of human uh, can make something like this work? Because I don't think it's for everyone. It, and different, I think, is the key word. It's a completely different skill set to lead a group of other people doing all the work as opposed to you, know, you being the one that does most of the work for you listening. So uh, that that's a key it becoming an advisor. No one probably didn't teach us entrepreneurial skills. No one probably taught us skills to lead others. So these are like new skills. And in a way, it's almost like going back to being a first year advisor where you don't know much and you're grinding to figure things out and, and you know, you figure out by messing up and missing out on a bunch of prospects. Uh, it, it's almost the, the, that humbleness you really need to have to go back to, okay, these are skills I'm probably not as polished in. Some people have maybe backgrounds in some of these. Some people are naturally talented at it, but that's, it's very, very few. Most people really need to get back to, okay, I'm going to be humble. I'm a novice at these skills. I need to develop these skills if I'm going to go down this path. So different is, it should be the big glaring word. This is a different path than you've been on. And it's a great path, but it is not for everyone. And if leading other people isn't your thing, then you really shouldn't stay away from it. I would say the one biggest thing that I see in a lot of these um, you know, enterprises working and, and those that don't is your desire to help others. Like if you really care about other people and you really want to see other advisors succeed and you want them to be more successful than you, then leadership should be for you. If it's all about yourself and you're trying to build this thing and you don't want anyone ever to be better than you, I, I, I'd go the to stick with the boutique route and not do it because the one trait of the best leaders is they really genuinely care about others. 
And yeah. that's one thing I'd say about John Cutton and Cutton Well. John has said to me multiple times, like, I care mostly about helping these people be successful, these advisors on our team. And that quality is, is the difference. So if, if you're looking in the mirror and you can say, yes, I really care about developing other people, then go down that path of learning those entrepreneurial, the leadership skills to lead a group of people to go somewhere special. You know, that's a big trait that'll make a huge difference in, uh, in making this thing work or not. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, John, as you're as you're talking, I, I can't remember which book it was. I do a ton of reading, as you know, and podcast listening and book listening. I don't actually read. I listen. Uh, <laughs> Me too. But, uh, yeah, I can't I can't read. <laughs> Eyes are going, et cetera. Uh, I can't remember who said it. So I feel like it could have been Ed Milet in his recent book on um, the power. What is it? The power of one more. Is that what it is? Um, but I don't. I, but I. But don't quote me on that one. I don't remember exactly who it was. But I want to give credit to whoever it was. It's something I've said myself in my own way, and they had a much more eloquent way of saying it. Not only can I remember who said it, but I don't remember exactly what they said. But I can remember what I say, right? Um, which is, um, and and it really resonates. Uh, I think for for me and for others that I've shared this with, which is, for most people you you can't help other people get theirs until you've gotten yours mm, okay yeah. um you can't help other people get theirs until you've gotten yours so what do i mean when i say that is if if you're in a spot where you're doing well right you're an advisor you're doing a million or two or you know two and a half three million in business but but you are not financially independent yourself or your cash flow doesn't support the home you want or the car you want or the money that gives you security in your bank account or what, what, what your ability to travel or have security, whatever it may be, you are likely better off for, I think, 99.9% .9 of people running a lifestyle practice. Right, because you haven't gotten yours yet, and it will be really hard, not impossible, but really hard to make decisions that are about the people in the organization and not about yourself. Does that make sense? Until you got yours and you're like, hey, I'm all good, financially independent, reached all my goals, super comfortable with where I am, feel good about what I've accomplished, and it's no longer about me, it's about other people. It's almost like, you know, sometimes you're not ready to be a parent, right? You, you, you know, you haven't, you haven't figured out yet that once you have a, a, a child, it's no longer about you fully, it's about this other little tiny human that you need to now care for. Uh, and some people aren't ready to be parents and they're forced into it and they, they figure it out over time. Um, but I would love your perspective on that a little, John. And, and you know, the other thing I wanna share is I have met some leaders, right, that didn't have theirs yet, and just they were genuinely people that are just complete givers. And they, it, it really was never about them, and they've been able to, over time, build these mature businesses, not just in the financial services space, but in other businesses as well. Um, so I'm not saying it's impossible, because there are people that are just, quite frankly, way better human beings than I am, that you know are selfless and truly are born as servant leaders and just want to help others. But most financial advisors, John, I think, got into the business, you know, to help people, help clients, but also to be in control of their own financial 
circumstances and and win uh, financially. That's that's what I find from meeting a, a lot of financial advisors. So I'm babbling, but I'd love to get some of your perspective there. Yeah, the the uh, analogy of becoming a parent is it's a great one. Anyone out there that's had the pr privilege of uh, becoming a parent and, and raising children, it's uh, it's one of the greatest things in the world. But uh, so different. What a life change when you have your first child. As you said, John, it's not about you or it's not about you and your spouse. All of a sudden, it's about this teeny little human. It's really, it's such a similar path to building a family as it is the, the shifts to building, okay, I'm going to develop other advisors to, to come on here. It's such, such a similar path and it requires different human. You know, the, the, the greatest parents are, you know, really care about the kids. They generally want to develop them. And it's hard for human beings to get out of our, our own way and, and think beyond ourselves. It, there, there's a lot of just how we're built as humans. A, a lot of this is what I dove into in my PhD work that, uh, you know what, we are kind of selfish in, in a way. And I find too that really successful people, um, I would say most of the times when I go to like a, you know, Barron's top conference, a Forbes top conference, there's a lot of pretty pretentious people and it's all about them. And, you know, I, I see some of these practices that just have a revolving door of people working there. And it's, um, you know, it starts at the top. You know, that person really probably isn't cut out to be a leader who owns this thing, they probably should have been just a, you know, really high level, you know, practitioner or more of a boutique practice. Um, everyone thinks they should go down this path, but it's really, it, it's very much along the lines of when, when, you know, if, if you've been through it or you can imagine going through it, you know, building a family, it's, it's the same thing. So that, that, um, I, I think that struggle of really either, making it as, as you put up becoming financially independent that it's not about you or just that genuine care for others those are really key things to really just uh pay attention to early on if you're going to go down this path and and run it but it's a journey too you know because the bigger it gets there's there's just more and more challenges where your old ways have changed i'm thinking about just the phases of change we go through as humans is another thing that holds us back too is your role in the firm evolves something different than it has been before you know it's really difficult you know, when we go to having children, we go to bringing in that first advisor, you go to bring in your 12th advisor on the team. It's a big change. And if you're going to a change that, gosh, we got to bring in other leaders. And now you're leading other leaders who are leading advisors. There's a lot of dynamics there of change that are very, very difficult. But those foundations of really helping others and knowing yourself what your skills are, are key. Now, some people have built the ensemble by bringing else, you know, bringing others on or partnering with others, maybe through a merger or some other way with people who are good leaders. And, um, you know, that's a solution too. that. If you don't have that in you, that's okay. There are like alternative paths that you could partner with other people who are really good at that or have that skill or desire to get really good at leading others you know, that's a path too, if, uh, if it's not your thing. So there's all kinds of versions of it. That's the greatest thing about this business. You can make a lot of money, but also you can invent your business the way that you want. There's no, like, you have to do it this way. This is the only formula. There are so, I look at the top practices we work with, they're all different. 
And they're all built differently and they all have a, a, a different goal, different end game. So yes, if it's building AUM, building revenue, building profit margin, you know, that, that's one fundamental, but how you get there is a, like a choose your own adventure book for, um, you know, as a member <laughs> of books when we were kids, yeah, <laughs> but, yep, but it, it's, well. it, it really can be, I mean, there can be partners, there can be other alternative avenues. If you, you know, look in the mirror, don't have those skills or don't desire to develop those skills, there's other ways to achieve it. Agree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as you were talking, um, just to kind of highlight the point there, as I've seen, I could think of two, and I won't use their names, but folks who run um, very, very, very large wealth management businesses where their full time job is leader uh, and they built these businesses, you know, over over many, many years. Um, but thinking about each of them, they both have this special quality, right? And the special quality is really all they focus on is caring about their people. And I know that sounds simple, but to the point where if you're, I've been a guest speaker at one of their conferences, if you're at the conference, they're hugging people that they haven't seen in years. And they, they know the spouse's name and they know the kid's name. And these are, uh, John, uh, you know, folks that lead 250 advisors, 300 advisors or more uh, in some cases. And that's really what their job has become. It's really a pe being a people person. Of course, there's some strategy and vision, but they've in essence invented themselves. You talked about reinventing where that's really what they've fallen into and they've then developed others to run the infrastructure and the operation and the marketing side and kind of the machine and really what they become is the face of the firm and they become the relationship with the people inside of the firm and the people inside of the firm genuinely feel and believe because it's it's the truth and it's evident to see um, that the person that's leading them really really cares about them before everything else and the well-being of them and of course their clients so on etc so it really is you know kind of interesting and i want to just go back a second john right because i want our audience to understand this for most and i won't say it's a blanket statement but for all but i i believe from what i've seen and experienced myself when you go from practitioner um, to enterprise generally you see a dip in your firm's profitability in that first for many many it's several years yes because you went from being advisor serving clients right to hopefully in a way cold turkey because i think it also is a misconception that you could keep being an advisor be a great advisor run your business be as busy as you've been and then hire people and build this enterprise level firm without ripping the band-aid off right and doing it all at once i think there's probably a way to do both at the same time but i have to believe that the speed of being able to execute on that well is much much slower from my own experience and i'd love to get some of your input there as well yeah it, it's it's a uh a rare occasion that that there's a quick return on the investment in others, right? I, I think you said it best. You've got to expect there's going to be a multi-year investment to get a long-term return on bringing in that first advisor. And that's the really when people are standing on that cliff, 
thinking about making that big first investment. This is exactly what, what holds people back. I'd say it's probably the biggest reason people don't go down the um, ensemble, the enterprise path is, is the, just the fear of, of making that investment, or maybe they're not in a, a financial place to make that investment. But it is, it takes time to turn a, a return. Now, there are some rare occasions where it happens. For example, if you have a lot of opportunities with clients, you just have too many clients you're not getting to, and you get somebody in there that maybe gets you freer, and you create a lot more with the people, with your top people who have more assets, who have more revenue, you do more with them. Sure, there's some times that I've seen people generate a return on investment in, in as early as a year because they have the opportunity sitting there. Um, or they can invest in somebody to help go after some of these opportunities and pay for themselves. But that's, it's, it's rare. I mean, typically you're going to be bringing somebody in, you're going to be developing them, and it's going to take a while before they can manage enough for the firm or take enough off your plate to do even more with the top people. It just, it, it takes time. And, and really, you know, as, as you talk about that amazing, you know, leader, John, I mean, suddenly this shift in, clients being your clients, you know, retail, financial planning, investment clients, you know, the shift starts to become the advisors are now your clients. And it is that care. And eventually, you know, like John Cutton, it might be that I've got a lot of advisors on the team and, and they're my clients instead of the retail clients. But that's a hard shift too, that, you know, now it's really caring for them and it's investing enough time in them. Uh, I find that busy, um, you know, solo practitioners that make this leap they're so overwhelmed and drowning, they, they, they struggle to make the time to invest in perhaps their most important client, which is this new advisor that they brought on. Whether they have experience or not, they need some development. They need some time. They need to learn your ways and, and how you do it. And even if they know what to do, they might need some coaching. They might need just their, their fire fanned a little bit to help them you know, build the confidence or help them do what they need to do to be successful. Yep. That's a that's a, a a big one there, but I would say the more investment is made into the the next team member, that next advisor, that is is very much in alignment with the return that you can generate. So just bringing somebody in isn't the instant fix, but bringing them in, investing time into them, developing them, that can influence how quickly you generate a return. And then going back to that, that's really the, the future skills. If you're going down this path, you need to develop. And the more you do of that, it, again, it leads to this happening much, much quicker and, and being you know, more profitable and being in a position that, okay, now we can bring in that second person. And, and maintain profitability and not go upside down because yeah. it can uh, it can, it can sting especially you're like this which you brought up in the previous two um, podcasts in the series John that uh, uh, you make a big investment in a year like this where yep. the market's down right I mean that can like doubly sting but um, yeah it's you, just, have, you have a little revenue right compression yep. because yep. of the market a little revenue compression because it's not you as the advice deliverer but a, a junior person who might not have the same experience see John I look at it like um, you know, kind of metaphorically think about a stream right that's got a bridge in the middle of the bridge collapsed right and you've got you know this five feet right from one part of the bridge to the other bridge right and you can you know to take my uh, my metaphor a little bit further on the you know one side of the bridge it's solo practitioner the other side it's enterprise level right it's a it's a scary jump you talked about the clip it's scary to go from one side to the other 
And right, what happens is if you don't make it, right, and you're you're now underwater, there's a lot of work to get back on that bridge. And that's, you know, part of it. The other piece I wanted to point out, um, somebody used the term, you know, Frankenstein businesses. Earlier, you talked about mergers, right? And I've done, you know, a lot of mergers and acquisitions in my day. Um, I think one of the things that advisors sometimes don't realize is that if, if what you're doing is merging and buying to grow, which eight years ago is what I did to be totally transparent, what you start to do is you start to build a Frankenstein business. So mm. not the same culture, not the same way of doing things, not a, you know, a, a, as you said before, a franchise model with a really well thought out growth plan and strategic plan and, you know, vision, mission, values, uh, KPIs, et cetera. And what you've done is you've gotten bigger, you've added people, you've added clients, you've added revenue and assets, but did you actually get better if you can't find the right roles for the people in, you know, inside of the organization to scale more quickly. Um, you just, you, you got bigger for the sake of getting bigger. And then the last piece that I wanted to hit, John, I love your perspective on this, and we can kind of move to think a little bit about what leadership looks like inside of an enterprise firm. What do you have to be ready to do as a leader and kind of like, what are the building blocks? But I was on the phone uh, not for the purpose of our, you know, of our discussion today, uh, but with a very high level executive from a very large uh, broker dealer. And um, we were talking about all the great technology that's now inside of the infrastructure of the wealth management space and how you can get, you know, da data and AI and all this amazing information that helps advisors grow the business. Uh, and I said, hey, you know, what's next is we're going to, you know, probably be building um, you know, uh, uh, not AR, is it AR? No, uh, virtual VR, right? Virtual yeah. reality advisors, where if, if the technology can give us all of this data and tell us what our next best step is and all of these things, um, I wonder if we can just, you know, poof, have a, you know, a, a advisor that, uh, you know, appears out of thin air through virtual reality. We kind of had a good laugh over it. And his response uh, was that a mentor of his, right, has often said that the financial services is the greatest business in the world if you just didn't have to deal with the people, right? <laughs> and he, of course, he was joking. But, you know, what, what happens is you go from managing yourself and two or three or four or five or even seven or eight people, right, in a larger business, maybe it's even 10, um, but most of your job is directing people, right, to do work for you when you have a solo practice, right, or a lifestyle practice. At some point, when you have an enterprise or ensemble, you're in the people business. At that point, your job, your life, your livelihood is based on influencing other people, right, to bring the firm vision to life. And, you know, that is a completely different job than getting a client to implement on your investment recommendations or your financial planning recommendations. So I'd love to just get your response on that. And I'll leave that into kind of what does it take to be a leader? What are the systems, tools, processes that you need to be thinking about? Well, it's, it's really, uh, uh, I, 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 I like what you said there about like the vision. I mean, the, the great leaders can help others see where it's going, get others excited about where this is going. 
and really develop a culture where you know everyone is pushing together this up the mountain or the stairs or wherever you're looking to take your your practice and uh, that's that's really an important skill to get others on board and, and see you know to me that's really a, a key role at the top i think a gap that that we see a lot of times in this you know just, just shifting this role unfortunately there's a lot of dictatorships out there and uh look, dictatorships have not worked in societies and they don't work in uh, businesses either and um i i think in stemming just just tying this into what is it like to lead other people? I'd say one of the, the, the other challenges that, that goes along with this is knowing what type of leader you need to be with different people, with this, different situations, or depending on different you know, roles or tasks that somebody has. So for example, um, you know, Cut Wealth and, and my firm, we use uh, situational leadership often, which, which I know you've talked about in podcast, John. Um, it's a way to know how to lead somebody in different occasions. So look, if you have an advisor in your team that's proficient, they probably don't need a lot of micromanaging, right? They probably don't need a lot of dictating. They probably just need their fire fan and, and congratulating for doing an amazing job and how can you help them? Um, for people that are more novice, I think we miss the, they probably need to be shown more stuff and someone needs to invest a lot of time into them to show them stuff. And uh, a lot of firms, you know, miss that gap. And there's kind of a point where people have been shown stuff that they're not quite the, you know, the confident expert they are. They probably need some coaching and coaching skills are becoming one of the bigger, you know, leader managerial skills to really help people through. And it's a, a different than telling or managing that go do X, Y, Z. It's really leading people along to, you know, decide on, on what their behaviors will be or what they'll do and how they'll respond to things. And so it, it's, it's sort of in alignment with that, you know, being that leader that can help people see where this is going and help them follow and be excited about it, want to run up the hill with them. You know, that's probably a, 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 a big gap that that we see it's another skill that no one's ever learned right just to, how to how to coach someone and how to you know lead someone successful to be even more successful it's an interesting one so i i think that that's you know just just to really pull the curtain back on what is it like to be a leader what are what are some of the things it's these these advisors these people in your team become your clients and just like maybe a lot of you have, have focused on, you know, again, retail clients during your career, they're your clients and what do they need? They don't need investment products. They don't need financial planning advice that's going to get them to where they want to go. These advisors need different things. They need to be shown what to do. They need to be coached. They need to be uh, their, their fire fan if they're really proficient. And the, the firms that can do this are the ones that keep them around and they can build and they can scale. The ones that have gaps in any of those areas, that, that's where we see a revolving door. And it, it just constantly hitting a ceiling of, of, of people, you know, coming in, this isn't good for me. I'm going to go somewhere else. You know, it's such a fail to invest a lot of time and money into somebody and then have them leave. You know, someone yeah. leaves in the first few years. I mean, they weren't even profitable. I mean, what a tremendous loss, which is why a lot of large companies stopped hiring, you know, brand new advisors. Um, I was fortunate, John, to be one of those people that, you know, if you can breathe and, uh, breathe and fog a mirror, if you can pass a test, we'll hire you. 
Yes. Uh, I, I, I think I, <laughs> I, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, I think I took the mirror out in your interview and you yes. breathed in my mirror. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And thankfully yeah. you helped show me the ways, but there's, there's uh, a lot of people that, um, you know, come in the business. I think advisor candidates now are a lot more savvy than the, you know, many, many advisors um, back at least that, that I started with. They're pretty good people and they really need some good leadership and they can see a mile away, great leadership. And I think sometimes, you know, some of you are maybe, um, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, been in this business a long time. We, we kind of, we look at younger generations, like, you know, older generations looked at us that all oh, these millennials, they don't work hard. They're just different. And they're capable of so much more than you are. They're just different than you. And uh, we, we've got to learn, you know, how do you lead those younger people? They're really critical in your business. You've got to find a way to do it and, track, and, and crack that code. I love learning from others um, in, in different industries who work with younger people who have cracked that code. It's really fascinating. But again, just goes back to it's completely different skills. It's completely different learning. It's just like when you learned how to help, you know, a basic client have a rollover and retire and you progress to helping someone who owns a business and there's a lot more complexity or maybe converted to, you know, helping an executive who has a lot of complexity. You know, it's the same journey you went on as a financial planner. Now it becomes, okay, it's a lot more complexity and being a leader and the different skills you need to develop and work on in the different situations where you need to apply different skills. Um, yes. Hey, I, I mean, obviously I'm passionate about it. John Cubbins passionate about it, getting good at these things, but uh, that's just a preview of, of what it's like. And, you know, if you're excited about these things, you're excited about helping others. Again, that is the secret. That really is the secret to the most successful businesses, whether it's the financial advisor business or making hamburgers, whatever it is, it really goes back to some of these key fundamentals here. Well said. Um, couple of things that I would comment on. You said a lot there. Um, you know, the, the initial question, right, was around, well, what are the key things that an advisor needs to be able to do to go from, right, an individual advisor uh, to an ensemble practice, really from a leadership perspective? And you started with vision, right? I think um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote a bunch of past guests here. So Paul Latham, right? Uh, who is uh, on one of our episodes, who's brilliant, uh, just as a, as a businessman and entrepreneur, has this great saying that I've stole from him called vision, plan, and desire, right? And I think the best le leaders, if you are going to run an enterprise, you need to cast vision and have a compelling vision that you repeat over and over and over and over again um, that is compelling to the followers that you have. People need to know what they stand for. And that turns into, right, having a vision, mission, values uh, that you actually live by. And they're not just words. And I know we've heard some of this before because you hear a lot of it, but it's real. Everything's got to tie back to those things. And you have to really believe in them because people won't follow you if they don't believe in where you're going and it's not clear to them where you're going. And I think the biggest issue new leaders have, uh, and for that matter, sometimes experienced leaders who just aren't as competent, right, as some of the better ones, is that they don't understand, and this used to be me, by the way, right? Uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll throw another name, Ray Kelly helped me with this, right, uh, from Think to Perform, but I was having a hard time getting the people who followed me or were supposed to be following me on board with the vision because the vision was so clear to me, mm. right? But 
I didn't understand why they weren't getting it. And they weren't getting it because they just weren't understanding the words that I was saying. And that's where plan, right? Vision plan. You have to have a plan that is actually in writing. And I learned this from Paul Latham. Not everybody hears words and goes, oh, I got it, right? A lot of people hear words and they're just words. They're visual learners. They need to see it and they need a process, right? Steps, KPIs, leading indicators, things to do to start to bring that vision to life, just like we do with a client. You want to retire at 62? Here's, right? The vision is retire at 62, travel, spoil your grandchildren rotten, uh, you know, play a bunch of golf, whatever it may be. That's the vision. Well, what do we then do as financial advisors? We create a plan for them, right? We put together a plan. We tell them, save more, re-diversify your portfolio, cut your expenses, whatever it may be. And then what do we do? We track it. And that's what desire is. It's actually giving people the ability to track it and ultimately reach their goals. So that, and then I wanted to couple that, John, with, you know, you talked about some of the, I'll call them tactics, right? So you have to have a vision, you have to have a plan, you have to track it, have desire. And then you need to have common communication as you become a leader, right? So what is common communication? You talked about situational leadership. There's situational leadership. There's the whole message model. There's the woody woofy process, right? What do you want for yourself? There is the values exercise. There is um, five levels of leadership. I think about all of these things that I've learned and we've done in our organization that is what builds that keyword culture. Right, because we all know culture eats strategy for breakfast. Right, we've heard that once or twice in our careers. And if you don't have that right culture, you'll have a really hard time building a really important world word called momentum. And without momentum, you can't change. Right, and you know I kind of think about all of that and what I would share, and I'd love your perspective on it, John, because I know uh, you and I share this. I believe that maybe the biggest secret right the number one biggest secret that very successful people have in the world whatever their profession is whatever it is their passion is is they are lifelong learners Mm. they read they listen they attend and they pick brains they ask questions so on etc um, and I, I look at it, I probably personally spend upwards of 15 hours a week learning. Most of what I learn about, by the way, purposefully is leadership. Not all of it, but a lot of it is entrepreneurship, leadership. That's what my passion has been for a number of years. And that is when your mind focuses on something, it ultimately controls your mindset. And that is who you actually become, right? And I think that if I'm a listener, first of all, if you're listening today, which you are, if you're hearing my words, right? Um, it means you're a learner. It means you're, you're purposely seeking out, you're in your car, you're on the treadmill, you're out for a walk, you're doing errands, whatever it may be. And you're choosing to listen to John Randall give you pearls of wisdom today to get better. So if you think about that with a level of intentionality and you go, okay, well, how do I get better? 
how do I, if I'm not a great leader, I don't know what to do, or I haven't been blessed like John Randall and John Cutton, who have had amazing mentors and kind of grew up in a broker dealer that has a very leadership culture. And we raised our hand and said, yes, we'd like to be leaders. We take that for granted, but we, we got a little bit of a head start. If you didn't get a head start, right? What do you do? And, uh, and I'm babbling here again, John, but I'm kind of passionate about this stuff, as you know. I'd love your perspective on that. And then we're kind of running a little short of time. We'll start to kind of wind things down a little bit. Yeah, it, it's, it's a, uh, it, it, look at some of the greatest outliers in whatever you're into. You're into sports. I mean, some of the greatest uh, athletes are constantly trying to learn and get better always some of the greatest musicians always learning they're not there's never like an arrival point that oh i'm done now uh now we'll do something else it's an endless journey which is so cool to have something to i mean it would be pretty boring to be like well i, I achieved this and now i'm done like what's next uh it's great to have this endless journey of learning and and what's so great about the world today is you can access more information that you could ever process in your entire lifetime like on your phone it's really incredible what's out there. There's great podcasts like this. There's audiobooks. I mean, there's endless, endless learning. But I like, I mean, everyone should pay attention to what, what John Cutton said, that he invests 15 hours of his week into learning. I mean, you should really think about that, especially early in the day. You know, think about maybe 30 minutes, 60 minutes, starting your day, maybe go for a walk and just listen to an audiobook, listen to a podcast and go around. It's really a healthy thing to do just to constantly <clears throat> be, be learning. And I think some of the best of the best are, are always that way. And it'll help you through this journey of taking on new things. You know, there's, there's definitely a pendulum swing of what businesses need along the way. Um, I came across a lot of neat you know, studies in my, my PhD work are just around businesses and entrepreneurs and what's needed at each stage. And look at the beginning stages, it still is about building profits and building new business and having enough profits to be able to invest in people. So your role might be getting freer of some smaller clients, doing more with bigger clients. You might become more of the rainmaker that you're bringing in business. And then it might become more of, okay, now I'm starting to do a little bit of leadership. So we're seeing that, you know, the latter stages of a Barron's top 100 practice and John Cutton that he's mostly leadership. His pendulum has swung so far from being the one that works with clients to being the one that brings in clients to now it's totally that. But it, it's not like you suddenly jump and you're all in on leadership. It's going to be a journey. So you can learn as you go. You can learn these skills as you go in more and more of your week. If you are going to go down this scaling, building a, a true enterprise, more and more of your week will be in, in, in this area. So it should work out if you're new at this or you're, you, you are, want to get better at it. it. It's okay. You don't have to be an expert right away. No one is. No one started out to be an expert in anything. But you can learn along the way. There's so many resources. There's coaches and consultants that help. There's tons of free resources. There's audiobooks like we talked about. But just remember, it'll be a pendulum swing. And more and more of your week will shift to these new things. And as you get better at the new things, you'll have more time in them. And it should be a natural progression. But, um, but yeah, constantly learned, I, I think, is a great a lesson, a great thing to take, uh, take away for everyone. Hey, Johnny, if I could say so myself, uh... Great session today. I, I had fun. I don't know if anybody else uh, enjoyed it, but I love talking about these things. I think you have a really great way uh, of making complex things simple and relatable, um, which I think is uh, is a gift that you have. So I appreciate 
uh, you sharing that. And I'll tell you what, I don't know if we've ever done a four part series, but I have a bunch of ideas that you and I can talk about. I'm not saying we will do it, uh, but uh, our listeners will have to just wait. But I, I think I think we can go deeper on a couple of subject matters here because I, I think it's I think it's the topic, uh, honestly, for advisors today. And um, as much, you know, what, what I want everyone to kind of, you know, end where we started, um, I want our listeners to really just be thoughtful about their why and what they want for themselves, right? And I go back, I give Ray Kelly a lot of credit, right? He took me through something he called a calling card exercise, uh, which is sim similar to a value card exercise, right? Where you're just trying to figure out, like, once you've gotten yours, it, it you go from, right, what am I trying to build to what is my calling? I've, I've, I've accomplished a lot of the things in my life that perhaps I've wanted to from a business or financial perspective. So where do I actually get my real satisfaction from, right? And for some, it should be, more time home with family, more time traveling, having a hobby. For me, my calling was actually all those things I just said are really important. And I do a, a, a very good job, I think I could always do better of, of making sure that I have all those pieces to my life, family and travel and uh, enjoyment and things along those lines. But for me, helping other people get what they want is my current thing that's that's and it's been my current thing for like four or five years i've been in the business 28 years for 24 that's not what it was but for the last four or five that's been what it has been and i'll just share with our listeners and that is still a passion and it's burning but as you progress through life right what's starting to happen for me is you know it's starting to burn a little bit more as a passion is giving back to the community mm. right to communities around the country and that means financial help, time, energy, right? Using this big business that we've begun to build that we think will continue to scale. And not just how do we help our clients, but how do we help people in need and financial literacy and you know, uh, hungry uh, homelessness and uh, hunger issues and, uh, and other issues as well, uh, which I could feel that starting to build, right? And I'm now thinking, well, how do I do those things together? So I'm sharing that to say, as you evolve as a human being, entrepreneur, business person, uh, you'll go through change. So it's not for everyone. For some, you should just be a great financial advisor, run a boutique business, lifestyle practice, give a tremendous amount of value to your clients and go do something else that's your passion. Right. It doesn't just because I'm doing it or others are doing it doesn't mean you have to go build this big enterprise business. But if you really want to, and that's your passion and you understand your passion, uh, there's a lot of value that you could provide, a lot of fun, a lot of people that can be helped along the way. So with that, I think that's a good spot to close. John, thanks as always uh, for being uh, our most featured guest in the history of the world. Uh, you always have pearls of wisdom, so I appreciate that. And to our listeners, thank you again for uh, listening to another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. If you yourself or anyone you know could be a good, interesting guest, shoot us a note, and uh, we'd love to see if we can get you on. Have a great uh, week, and we'll look forward to uh, speaking to you again soon. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week.